about my making you yawn. No, I was just about to start, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> you're making fun of my yawn now. Yeah, that's rude. <laughs> you're supposed to be excited to do this, awake, not taking naps twenty minutes before. <laughs> I can't help that I'm tired all the time. Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy. I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. And finally, we are discussing the last chapter in Assassin's Apprentice. Chapter 24, The Aftermath. I hate math. Oh my but I'm... god. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of sad that we're almost done, so I had to make it a little bit more cheery. Sad that we're almost done. We have another, like, ten years of this to go. <laughs> well, I mean, with this book. I don't true. know. It's not a very happy ending. No, that's true. Sets up a lot of things for the next book, though. That's for sure. That's true. This is the shortest chapter that we have, um, excluding the epilogue that we'll do next week. Um, but it starts out with a little blurb. Once again, talking about elderlings and tapestries and art. Mm -hmm. um, he's talking about the uh, a tapestry in the Great Library at Jean Pei, which I'm sure he saw while he was recovering from his accidents yes. <laughs> at Jean Pei in the previous chapter. Um, and it's rumored to contain a map through the mountains to the rain wilds. And I guess, like, Jean Pei is maps and books are like all coded because it says like many jean Pei maps and books the information contained was considered so valuable that it was encoded in the form of riddles and visual puzzles i mean oh a white prophet did help start this group <laughs> so maybe right. there's a tradition of not giving Being vague and yeah, frustrating if it's super important <laughs> you have to have a vague answer <laughs> That's tradition fair. Um, no, it was really interesting to me, too, that this isn't like just this one tapestry is encoded. Maybe it's everything that's important. Right. Yeah. I John Pay is its own beast. That's they for sure. Killer escape rooms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Figured on the tapestry among many images are the forms of a dark haired, dark man. Stout and muscular and bearing a red shield, and in the opposite corner, a golden-skinned being. The golden-skinned creature has been the victim of moths and fraying, but it is still possible to see that in the scale of the tapestry, it is much larger than a human, and possibly winged. But keep legend has it that King Wisdom sought and found the Elderling's homeland by a secret path through the Mountain Kingdom. Could these figures represent an Elderling and King Wisdom? Does this tapestry record the path through the Mountain Kingdom to the Elderling's homeland in the Rainwilds? What do you think? Is this the tapestry that Ketrikin is recalling later that had like a map on it that they use? Or was that a separate map and then this is just like a tapestry recording like the story basically? Uh, I guess I don't really know. I don't remember either, because I can't remember if it's like an actual scroll, um, like the map is or whatever, because yeah. I'm pretty sure that they get a map, uh, like a really old map that Verity uses, right? Yeah. Later on? Or he goes there because there's rumor of one. Right, Which right. is probably this. Yeah, I'm not sure, but uh, I'm pretty convinced that this is King Wisdom. You and are? Elderling. Yeah. Oh, why? Well, the description itself is um, a dark man, and we know that the Mountain Kingdom is very fair and pale. Right. And the only dark men that would be in that area would be from the duchies, basically. Mm. And King Wisdom went and carved his own dragon and they have to have memories of a dragon flying over or vague things like that. Sure. 
So I feel like it, it is that. And anything from like the actual elderling era, I think would have more depictions of actual elderlings on them and more mm-hmm. dragons rather than just one dark man and one winged creature. So why does he have a red shield then instead of blue? I don't know. Maybe it's a red ship raider relic. <laughs> Although that's a more recent thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Maybe that was actually his colors back then. I guess. We don't necessarily know that Buckkeep Blue has always been the color. Um, but I thought it was really interesting that it was a red shield specifically. Yeah, that's true. Um, and also, would King Wisdom stop through, uh, stop back? No, he wouldn't have been able to stop back if he made a dragon. So would he have stopped through and brought somebody from jean with him to document their journey to the Elderlings? Otherwise, how did they I think hit you, the map? I think he would have stopped through on the way there, 100%. But it's, it's not like a... This isn't saying like it's a, a map, right? Like this is. It contains a map through the mountains to the rainwilds. Does this tapestry record the path? Because everything is like encoded and everything like that. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily an actual map. So one, they could have had a guide that he he went to Jean Payne like, hey, we need to. We don't really know how to survive up in these lands. We kind of sure. need a guide. Two, I think. Um, this is more so like the story of like, oh yeah, we King Wisdom stopped here. He said he was doing this and meeting the otherlings, and then later they saw a dragon flying over that he had carved. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. I didn't think this was him. I don't know. Um, Who do you think it was? I don't know who it is. I was thinking it could have been more of someone... Maybe from the Out Islands or hmm. just maybe someone who lived in one of the um, human villages near Kelsingra, which is ultimately where they're going. Could right. Be, yeah. Um, the, this maybe map is potentially leading them towards Kelsingra. Am I wrong? Or is. Yeah. No, that's I mean, right. I guess the mines are near there. Right. So I was thinking that maybe the depictions were of one human that like lives in the opposite village and then one elderling to show the difference or maybe just generic human to show the difference between <laughs> human and elderling. Um, well, if it's an actual depiction of an elderling, that wouldn't be winged. It's a potentially winged. It doesn't say mm-hmm. that they're for sure are wings and it's beaten up by age True. and moths. And True. so I think because they can't imagine the elderlings not being mystical creatures, it would be fair to assume that potentially there were wings or maybe they did draw the elderling with wings. It doesn't mean that they were correct in their drawing. Yeah, definitely Um, true. But I don't know. So I was, I was wondering if that was more just the buck keep way of making most things about the duchies and their (laughs) Kings and how, and rather than based on real fact, I don't know. I guess I just, the red shield really threw me. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. We will never know, probably. <laughs> um, but then we are uh, kind of in a flashback mode for the rest of the chapter here. It's Fitz talking about what happened, almost similar to the blurbs that we get at the beginning of the book where we can tell it's Fitz writing down these events. Mm-hmm. And it's all kind of like in the past tense and like, I had been found this way. My recovery was slow, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So his body is found by Jean Cui in the spa. Which I would just like to know, uh, note that he doesn't know how she could possibly have found right. them. Do you think it was the wit? No, no, I don't think so. Um, it, right after, like we talked about this before in the last chapter, in the last episode, um, but it says that it suspects that she was to Ayad as Chade was to Shrewd um, right. and basically a spy master. I think like she had people watching them. Interesting. I don't know. Just the way she interacted last chapter with her dog where they were able to find Fitz. And I know that like, well, that's, that that's was the like way the, the dogs trained, are trained. Tracking dog. Yeah. yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm, and I it was a like- puppy. So if she was witted and she isn't as intelligent in that as before, 
Well, it doesn't necessarily would. mean it's her wit partner. True. She just could be witted. And mm. the loss of Nosy could have alerted her. But I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe that's just my hopeful <laughs> <laughs> hopefulness for more wit people. But it says that uh, she brings them back and tries to heal them. And they are fairly isolated and... She heals them fairly privately, and Fitz suspects that for a while no one from Buckkeep knew where we were or if we lived. She tended them herself with the help of an old manservant, and they had a, a long recovery ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Both of them. Both Beric and Fitz. Beric and Fitz, yes. Fitz uh, woke up two days after the wedding, so that's literally two days later he was in a coma basically and dozed often after that basically being exhausted from his seizures and his fits and remembers uh dreaming of verity or being skill connected with verity oftentimes um because he sensed verity trying to skill to him Mm-hmm. They conveyed no meaning to him, probably because he was exhausted and on the mend and his mind couldn't really handle anything. But he could get a little bit of knowledge about Verity's whereabouts. And one of the interesting things that I noticed was um, he says, I could see the, the color of the curtains in the room he skilled from or the feel of a ring on his finger that he absently twisted as he tried to reach me. Do you think that's his wedding band yeah, that he's not used is. to yeah. having on? Because I don't think we necessarily hear much about him wearing jewelry before this. So, and he seems like a, a soldier's man. And I don't really feel like jewelry for men is big um, among soldiers, at least in this culture. So, I yeah. think, yeah, it could be. I think it's bigger than in like the United States, for example. Right. But although the in 90s general, in the United States, it's true. <laughs> Big watch, earrings, you know. Puka shell necklace. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's his, his wedding ring for sure. But Fitz really had difficulty healing mm-hmm. because it was his whole body. Uh, Burek wasn't uh, guaranteed to pull through, but he uh, it says he had cheated death before and eventually like the swelling of his face and head subsided and he... Kind of quickly recovered himself and was able to walk around. And um, the only really adverse side effect is that he had headaches and dizzy spells once in a while. And he couldn't remember anything from the whole previous chapter from where he grabbed Fitz out of the stable up until where he got hit. But other than that, he was on the mend pretty quickly and was able to do everything. Right. Fitz was the one stuck in bed and suffering from weakness and and his seizures. Mm -hmm. But uh, they started to bond a little bit more. Um, Rather than just a mentor and mentee relationship or a father-son relationship, they had long, quiet talks uh, about stories from Beric's past or topics not surrounding the, the differences that they shared. Right. Which I thought was super nice. Yeah, they can finally bridge the gap um, that Burek has probably really wanted to be bridging for a while now, but didn't know how. Right. And I think Fitz, too. I think... Well, Fitz, Fitz definitely wanted to bond. It just Yeah, <laughs> but he was kind of the one creating the gap, I think. Right. Um, well, they, they both contributed Well, they both the contributed, but like, I'm saying, like, Fitz for so long thought that Burek was a murderer of his wit partner definitely so he kind of set that wall and those boundaries and didn't want to cross and didn't i mean as much as he liked burek and having the support of burek he still had walls up that he wasn't willing to bring down and i think after this especially the situation where both of them almost died um it really allowed him to trust burek more as a father figure and understand that burek has his best interests in mind. I don't know. But yeah, it's definitely nice to see them bonding. It says that uh, they mostly talked about the dogs that he had known or the horses he'd trained, and sometimes he spoke a little of his early days with chivalry. One evening, I told him about Molly. 
He was quiet for a time, and then told me that he'd heard the owner of the bee balm chandlery had died in debt, and that his daughter, who had expected to inherit it, had gone to live with relatives in a village instead. And that's something that, obviously, we knew on a reread, mm-hmm. but um, this is the first time that Fitz hears about it, because he thought that she ran away with Jade, who right. was her cousin. Mm-hmm. Which he still doesn't know yet. But. Yeah, he still doesn't know. But I don't remember ever hearing Bee Balm Chandlery yeah, no, as the I name before this. Definitely forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense for, you know, a candle making <laughs> business, but it's an interesting little connection. Yeah. And also fun that they later have a daughter named Bee. Right. So. right. <laughs> Cute. Anything to... Um, say about the previous couple chapters breezing by this pretty quickly because it's kind of like a or not a couple chapters couple paragraphs slash pages i think it's interesting that Burek in this conversation tells fitz that uh he knows someone who would know what village molly would go to and fitz is kind of shocked that he didn't mock him for liking molly and i just found that really interesting that he thought that Burek would mock him um over his crush but I do like that Birk gives the advice that Fitz should know his own mind before he sees her again. And just kind of, you know, like, just because she's cute doesn't mean that you're going to end up together forever. So be really sure if you're going to pursue this. But he's still, you know, willing to help him. Yeah. And I really like that. Takes, takes Fitz's issues seriously. Mm-hmm. And it kind of also shows that Fitz has grown up in Bjork's mind now. Um, probably not fully still. I mean, he is still just a teenager, but I think it shows that he's like taking him more seriously and really thinking about his future with him. And I don't know. I just noticed that. Um, but then we move on to August. Yes. Um, and how he never skills again. So I thought August like loses cognitive ability and like my memory before this reread was that he kind of withers away as someone who isn't really a full man in Withy Woods. Um, but we learned that um, after he recovered from fainting on the wedding day, he ta- he storms into Regal's room and tells him presumably exactly what Verity uh, told him to say. Um, And after that, Regal definitely isn't going to kill Fitz and is so sorry about uh, his injuries. And of course he's forgiven. He promised Ketrickin. And then we see August going away. Yeah, Um, I'm pretty sure some of his... um it mentions later that some of his mental faculties do get burned away with that, like his skill burning away as well. Um, like the force of everything that Verity did was too much. Um, and I, and I do know that he lives a short life or a shorter life than he would have had. Um, but it doesn't say in here anywhere. I don't believe that happens. Well, I just thought it's interesting because that is, I'm pretty sure, the description later on. But here he has enough wholeness of mind and self to go directly to Regal to tell him word for word, I'm sure, what Verity said. Unless that's part of the I mean, skilling he was probably, left over. I'm uh, sure he was like skill commanded to do to say that message, basically, whether Verity meant it to do that or not. Right. Also, we see that uh, John Quee is most likely coming up with these great excuses that Burek uh, slipped and struck his head trying to pull Fitz up from the pool that he fell in after having a seizure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fitz doesn't think that Jade could have even come up with a better excuse for that. Yeah, and it is a good excuse. It's a yeah. good it's a good reason why they're both super injured from the bathhouses. Which is, uh, this whole conversation here is interesting to me and in the reflection that Fitz is doing because it's Ketrickin saying that uh, Regal was most concerned that they recovered quickly and completely from their accidents. I don't think that she knows that Regal tried to kill Fitz and Beric at the end. Mm-hmm. She knows that he's the one who brought the poison in for Rurisk. Right. And I don't think 
that she knows Fitz was then attacked like by his own brother or uh, uncle. Sorry. <laughs> I think she knows. I think she's smart enough to put two and two together. And I'm sure if not, John Qui would have let her in because she is supposed to be the next ruler. So she should know what she's going into. But maybe she doesn't. Um, I think that was more so to show the story that they're telling everybody than her actually believing it's an accident. Yeah, it could definitely but, be. I don't know. I just know like the uh, a couple pages from now, it says that she pretended to believe the story that, you know, Severns and Roud poisoned Rurisk and it wasn't the master who did it. So I feel point. like there's there's nothing that's saying that for this story. So just the way that those two coincide, the way that they're written, it mm-hmm. seemed to me like mm. Robin Hobb was kind of leading us to believe that she believed this story as well. Maybe she does. I don't know. know. I just, I don't know. I feel like she's a smart, capable woman. And (laughs) so I like trust that she could put it together, but maybe she doesn't know at this moment. And she's just, I don't know. But uh, we then have a month of mourning for Rorisk's death. And in this, the people donate all of his belongings just out into the society. Um, and this is when Eod himself comes and brings a simple silver silver ring that his son had worn and the head of the arrow that had pierced Rurisk's chest. Um, and why do you think he gives these to Fitz? No idea. I'm left with the same wondering that Fitz does. Um, King Eod says, I should cherish these reminders of an exceptional man. He left me to wonder why these items had been selected for me. Honestly, no idea. Okay. What about I, you? <laughs> I thought, I'm not quite sure about the ring, um, but perhaps the silver ring is um, more of like a symbol of royalty in some way. Like acknowledge that you are part of a royal family and then the arrowhead that almost killed Rurisk but didn't, he's essentially giving the successful assassin the tool that didn't succeed. Um, and so I think there's a little bit of something in there along the lines of... Um, Instrument of killing, handing yeah, it over to a an killer. actual killer. Or even maybe just um, they didn't succeed on you and you don't get the physical item that they did. So here's one to hold on to to remember that people are always going to try to kill you and that you just have to be stronger than them or something. I don't know. I'm not sure for sure, but that's kind of how I was reading into it of like more symbolism in some way. Yeah. Um, I figured there would be a reason. I just couldn't really think of anything. So I like that one for the arrow. (laughs) So Ketrikin sets her morning aside at the end of the month (laughs) and she comes and bids them farewell and she's very confident in Verdi now. Like yeah. the moment from the wedding kind of erased all of her doubts. She's very happy to be going to the Six Duchies and to this man. Yeah. Yeah, she seems excited. And then Fitz is a little bit sulky that he doesn't get to go. And says it was not for me to ride alongside her at the head of the homeward procession or to enter a keep preceded by horns and tumblers and children ringing bells. That was Regal's place, and he put a gracious face on it. He saw a little bit of crush. A little bit, yeah. (laughs) And also is super jealous that Regal gets to be next. Like, there's definitely a little bit of the, like, hatred for Regal still peeking through. Yes, I think that's also a big part of it. Yeah, which is still, I mean, obviously your uncle just tried to murder you, so of course you're going to be a little salty that he gets to escort the woman that he just badmouthed, like... I guess a month ago now, but <laughs> true. <laughs> I was thinking in book, but um, yeah. So I don't know. I just think it was interesting to see the little bit of like it's not my place to be next to Ketrikan. <laughs> well, it's the same old Fitz. Come on, yeah, a true. little bit of whiny, a little bit. <laughs> true. It's Fitz chivalry. Um, but in this thought process, we see a really interesting thing. That Regal isn't gonna get in trouble. He does. Fitz doesn't think Verity ever completely forgives Regal for this action. Um, 
It even says he dismissed Regal's plottings as if they were nasty, boyish tricks, and I think that cowed Regal more than any public reprimand could have. Um, and I think this is part of the reason why um, last chapter was so infuriating, um, or the last couple chapters, I guess, because Regal is so clearly in the wrong. And the first time you read this, it's frustrating, but you also aren't really sure what's going to happen. And then you get to this part and like, it's just a boyish trick. And it's right. not, it's really, I think it's really goes to show how much they have this blind spot for Regal. Um, even if he's not necessarily the mastermind, he already got that close to murdering two royal people without anyone knowing. Right. So what's to say that he's not going to be able to do that again? Like, what is the thought process there of, well, if I just shame him, he'll never do it again and I don't have to forgive him. It's just he obviously is willing to murder anyone. He doesn't care if he leads, leaves bodies in his wake. So I don't know. I just think it's a really interesting. What would you want them to do? I guess send him away, cut him off. He could become a emissary to Chalcid, send him to Chalcid in some way. I don't know. Send him anywhere. You don't think you would plot with Chalcid to. That's a good point. Send him to Chalcid and have him murdered along the way. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know it's family, but also family member who is willingly going to murder you. So. But remember, like Verity thinks in that conversation between Verity and Shrewd with Fitz in the room at that breakfast mm -hmm. when they had that like personal conversation that Shrewd kind of cut off. Right. Um, Verity was kind of implying that he was the expendable prince to... Uh, skill out and save the kingdom while he had a spare right, right behind him. So even if Regal is terrible and has tried to kill people and stuff, during a war they can't really kill off their royal family and possible successors in Shrewd's eyes at least, 100%. Because if Verity dies and you already killed off your other son... Fitz like, is right there. Yeah, but, he, <laughs> but he's already like the assassin and the bastard and everything like that. So they're not going to want to do that. I At least guess. Shrewd isn't going to want to do I just, that. I don't see how it's more logical to have a murderous Titan who cares nothing for ha over half of his kingdom in, p in power rather than someone else, like right. literally anyone else that is also of nobility. Like, yeah. is the bloodline that important to them? I mean, obviously it is, but I also think it's an interesting insight to the fact that Verity is also underestimating his brother. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he was mostly under the impression that while Galen was the mastermind and a huge manipulator of Regal, I think he knew that Regal also was taking part in it. Right. But I think he was under the impression that Galen was like the actual driving force, and now that he's reprimanded and has that like blackmail over his head he won't act mm. which is underestimating him which right. is underestimating regal yeah i agree with i don't know how much do you think uh shrewd knows about um i know it's mentioned later i but on this topic right now how much do you think he knows about the galen plot and everything like that I don't know. It's hard to tell because I'm not sure if his mind has started wandering yet or not. It's really unclear. Um, we, I mean, we know part of that is put on by the skill users sucking his energy from him and keeping him his mind muddled. But just the way Chade gets in later books, I think it's probably also something that comes like a form of Alzheimer's that just comes with old age in their genetics. Um and he could potentially not know at all. He's probably not as sharp as he once was. Right. And he's probably starting to come to the realization that are there, especially after Galen died, there are things that he doesn't know. And um, I think that's probably scary for him as someone who has always been the spider in the web. 
Right. Um, right. But I think he's stubborn and doesn't want to admit that there could have possibly been an assassination attempt under his nose without him knowing anything about it if he didn't. That's a fair assessment. And also he doesn't want to believe that Regal could do something like that. Right. Yeah. It's pretty close to what I was thinking, too. Oh, my precious Regal. He's (laughs) such a good person. (laughs) Gross. So, like we said, the the people who knew about the poison, poisoning of Rurisk, that he didn't die from natural causes, uh, that poisoning was eventually blamed on Severns and Raud. Um, because they were the ones who acquired the poison and who gave the wine directly. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where it says, Ketrikin pretended to be convinced that it was a misplaced ambition by servants on behalf of an unknowing master. So she's obviously, she knows. And then later in the books, like, he falls for his tricks again, which makes me frustrated. Yeah. Anyways, like he we'll literally murdered your get... brother and you're going to. OK, sure. <laughs> we'll talk about that when we get there. Um, um, he Fitz was not known as an assassin at this point. And Regal was putting on the face that he was apologetic and that he was just a younger prince graciously escorting his brother's bride home. And he appeared to take Verity's warning by heart mm-hmm. and all of this sort of thing. So. I personally think he is actually cowed at this point, just a little bit, until he can get back into his support network and then mm-hmm. build up those resentments again. Obviously, when this immediately happens, he's still going to want revenge for his mother's supposed m- murder, and then I'm sure for his half-brother's murder and all of this other things, and that's going to build up and he's going to continue plotting, mm-hmm. but I think immediately after this he's like i can't risk doing anything else for the moment yeah yeah i don't think he's cowed i think he's angry and just putting on a show because he's definitely a good actor someone as dramatic as him it's got to have a flair for the arts (laughs) but fitz is still like we come back to fitz's recovery and he can't focus his mind on anything he should be trying to learn how jonquis helping him heal Mm -hmm. but he can't do anything. He can't concentrate. He's wheeled to the library once in a while, but his eyes get tired too fast. So he spends most of his days thinking. And a lot of the times it's just wondering if he should go back to Buckkeep at all. I wondered if I could still be Shrewd's assassin. I knew if I returned, I would have to sit down table from Regal and look up to see him at my king's left hand. And he's also thinking about, like, the previous conversation he had in his head, I think last chapter, about did Shrewd send me to be sacrificed? Right. Was I just a pawn to be expended because I was expendable? So all of this is kind of tumbling his head, and he talks about it with Birik one night. Mm-hmm. And Birik has some great insights. Yeah, and he really sets him straight. I cannot imagine it will be easier for Ketrikin than it would be for you. Nor for me to look at a man who has tried to kill me twice and call him my prince. You must decide. I should hate to have him think he had frightened us away. But if you decide we are going elsewhere, then we shall. I think I finally guessed what the earring signified. I mean, obviously it's important to be self-centered once in a while and think about your own future. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of people affected by his decision to return or not. Right. And also, like, Ketrickin has a way worse than you, bud. <laughs> like, she's literally sitting next to the guy who murdered her brother, successfully yeah. murdered her brother. Yeah, he tried to kill you and your family, but at least he didn't succeed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> True. But I also don't like the line, I think I finally guessed what the earring signified no i don't like this idea that the only reason burek is being nice or pledging to follow fits is because he's suddenly wearing this earring like if he didn't have this earring on burek would completely not follow him or act this way at all and i don't like that and maybe that is the case maybe he thinks well my loyalty is with the person with the earring but also the earring doesn't represent loyalty it reflect it represents freedom 
And maybe it represented something else between Burek and chivalry, but I don't like this idea that just because Fitz is wearing an earring that Burek gave his dad, that all of a sudden Burek is his uh, manservant or something now, you know, like that he's always going to bow to Fitz's will. And I don't, I feel like that's the way Fitz is thinking of it and the way it's kind of presented in this book, but it to me feels like it's downplaying the relationship between Burek and and Fitz rather than like, I don't know what else it would be doing, but I don't, you know, so I don't, that's why I don't really like that line. I'm, I'm half and half on that. I mean, I don't think it's fully black and white in Fitz's mind. Like what you're saying. I think he, he knows, I mean, probably barely because it's Fitz that, Birk cares for him but I think he also and this is my personal opinion on Birk's relationship with the earring I think he also realizes here that Birk gave this earring to chivalry and Fitz just thought it was kind of like an earring before but with this like I will follow you kind of thing he he realizes that there's more significance attached to it than just that the only thing that Fitz knew before this was that Patience gave him this earring and it was from, it was Chivalry's old earring. And then Birk's like, oh, she shouldn't have done that. And now with like this new line of like, hey, I will go together wherever you decide to go. Fitz is realizing from a first like outward shown affection of like promising to help Fitz no matter what he chooses. Mm-hmm. That there is a big significance in having this earring. He knew there was something weird about it before, but I think like both of those are mingling now. Not necessarily 100% I will follow whoever has this earring, because that's not the case. Mm-hmm. But Fitz is realizing that, you know, there's, there is depth to Birk's feelings for me and depth to his feelings for my father that meant a lot to him. And with all of those together, he does want to care for me. I thought I thought this line was specifically more of just like a young teenager putting together that people can care for him. I guess. And putting it into his own words of how he could realize what was happening. I can see how you would, you could read it that way, but I think it's in my like in my reading of it, it feels more like a. It's not about me. It's the earring. And so that could be like that, too, because yeah. Fitz is yeah, stupid. like he refuses to accept that people actually love and care about him. But yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But I like your insight, too. So um, winter was no longer a threat, but a reality when we left the mountains. They spent a couple months here. Yep. The wedding was like harvest, right? Fall. Yeah, yeah it was like. The fall equinox about-ish, so uh-huh. it's like two or three months probably, um, depending on how quick the snows come. And it took a while for them to uh, be ready to travel, but Fitz is still having seizures on yeah. the way. Um, so it's Burek, Fitz, and Hans. Hans stayed along the whole time in the mountains to um, help bring him back. But Fitz would still have these seizures, and still have dreams and he's not they're not all just seizures sometimes his whole body just collapses underneath him and he can't like his muscles don't work for him Mm -hmm. anymore so it's not even just like the typical seizures it's like loss of muscle control momentarily and he's not strong enough after he regains muscle control to like pull himself back up on a horse right so it's a very long journey i'm sure Mm -hmm. lots of struggle and uh, he has nights where he dreams and skills out. And at this point, we know in the future books that he has no walls when he's dreaming. Mm-hmm. And he just sends out his thoughts once in a while. And they're super strong, especially when um, his emotions are running high, like him and Molly together. Or um, right now, his fear, because he was dreaming of drowning endlessly. And he makes a connection with Verity. And Verity's like, hey, 
stop. <laughs> we need we need someone to train you to to stop this because you need to just stop dreaming of drowning because Ketchikan thinks I'm dreaming dreaming of drowning all the time and thinks it's weird. <laughs> Quit. And he says that you know Galen's dead, Regal's dead, or Regal's on a shorter <laughs> leash. I wish Regal was dead. Come on. Um, you have nothing to fear. Go to sleep and stop dreaming so loud. Obviously, Fitz can't heed that because he doesn't know how to. Right. But, um, but it is nice of him to like try to reassure and to remind Fitz of the truth right now. Um, you know, Galen is dead. Galen can't hurt you anymore. And Regal isn't going to be able to hurt you either while I'm around. And in this way, he's building up Fitz's trust in him and becoming the protector of him, which is nice, but also not great because he's about to leave. So, <laughs> so short-lived safety, I guess. And from these two passages of uh, the actual connection with Verity and Verity like reaching out to Fitz, Fitz gets the impression that Verity actually does care for him, and we know he does. Mm-hmm. He's very concerned for Fitz and I'm sure for a while he didn't even know if Fitz was alive still right after the wedding so um Verity seems to be in a a decent mood I mean he does have a wife now true who seems like a pretty good match for him I suppose I should be grateful you slept well on my wedding night at least (laughs) uh but they traveled on and Hans is quietly proving his competence to Birik on the way back. Mm-hmm. And Birik realizes that Hans is actually, you know, a great stable hand. Yeah. He's good at what he does, and they build up a rapport and a friendship that leaves Fitz lonely again. Yeah, which Fitz has this problem of mistaking other people having friends for them no longer having love for him. Yep. Like I wrote that down too. As if there's like only room in people's hearts for a certain number of people and he's the first one they would cast out. Mm-hmm. Which I think is silly but also understandable. Yeah, you you said it before that the reason he probably is attracted to um lupine or uh companions like dogs or wolves or whatever mm-hmm. is because of that the dog loyalty. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen it with Leon and with Nosy now, how they have that specific bond with one person mm-hmm. and they are only for that one person. Right. How Leon is hunting with Fitz, but he's like, I'd rather Verity was here. Yeah. These are these dead birds aren't for you. Yeah. Um, and Fitz has that with people. Right. For sure. Which um, is interesting because he does have more than one friend at a time. So he should be able to understand the concept that other people can also do that. But I think you're right. I think the dog mentality really hinders him. Yeah, he's uh, he has like I've noticed he has to be quote unquote bonded to one person mm-hmm. all the time. So first of all, it was like nosy. Then he attached to Birik for a while and shade and smithy and galen and molly the all these people like take up prominent sections of his time Mm -hmm. and he kind of focuses all his energy to there and then eventually night eyes sometimes it's the fool like after tawny man or the later stages of tawny man um then it's molly again after that and then eventually b in the last trilogy yeah all of these people like he kind of shifts his whole focus how it, it, it reminds me of his passages when talking about Shade, how uh, Fitz notices that Shade can be thinking about one thing, you know, and doing one thing and be kind of distracted and then set all of that aside and focus all of his attention on this one task, on talking to Fitz or something. Mm-hmm. Fitz kind of does that at all points. He doesn't really have a peripheral, wide-reaching grasp of friendships or focus on people. It's like you now. Like, yeah, Fitz attaches to Molly even through the birth of his daughter and is just like kind of focused on Molly, kind of ignores B. Yeah. And then when Molly passes away, he has to readjust himself, but kind of then shifts trying to focus on B again. Like he mm-hmm. attaches to one person I've noticed. 
Yeah, that's actually a really good thing to point out. I guess I knew that on some level, but not like yeah. consciously, I wasn't consciously aware of it. And of course, like you mentioned before, he does have other people he is friends with and mm-hmm. is attached to. And like he can speak with Jade and Birik at the same different times when they're mm-hmm. training and stuff and be friendly. But most of the time he loves Shade because he's feuding with Birik at the time or like <laughs> the other way around. Like, Shade is gone for months and Birik is there teaching him and he's comfortable in the stables like it's kind of switches like leon he's still hanging out with the person he just wishes it was the other person exactly interesting no so i I thought that was like uh your your call back to the analogy Mm, between why he was attracted to like dogs or wolves all the time kind of got me thinking about that yeah um so then it moves on to speaking about Galen's death and how it's considered a tragic thing in Buckkeep. And those who had known him least spoke most kindly about him. <laughs> um, yeah, so they, they called it heart failure. People wanted to name a warship after him, but uh, Verity literally didn't respond to that and kind of ignored it. And yeah. the topic got dropped eventually. <laughs> yeah, But his body was sent back to Pharaoh with all honors. Yep. So he couldn't just be, you know, shoved into off the cliff. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> into he the water. He was the skill master. He yeah. was. Yeah. So they have to keep up appearance, which I bet Verity was a little mad about. Like, yeah. maybe he was okay with it because on the whole, like the greater good for the people. He's a, yeah, he was bred into the royal family as a prince. Like, I'm sure he knows, like, you have to. <laughs> by, he was raised by shrewd. Like, he, true, he true. knows some of these things. Um but this is where it says, if Shrewd suspected anything of what had gone on between Verity and Galen, he kept it well hidden. Neither he nor even Chade ever mentioned it to me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really don't know. Like, I feel like Chade would have something to say. So, if Chade doesn't knew- understand the skill at all, though. That's which true. Is, which stuck out to me. I was thinking about that, too. I'm like, if Shrewd knew, Chade would probably ask for details about this thing. Because Shrewd probably wouldn't know the specific details, mm-hmm. but Shade doesn't know enough to ask the questions. Right. That's that's a good point. Because I doubt Fitz even knows like what happened. And Fitz <laughs> did have a really negative reaction when it, the last time he tried to talk about the skill. True. With him. Yeah. And said it's not for bastards like us. Yep. So I guess that could stop him from asking any questions he might have. I still don't know if like Shrewd and by extension Shade are fully aware of what happened. Probably not. But like if if they do, like that that could be a reason why it's never brought up. That's true. But uh yeah, the loss of the skillmaster was a big thing, especially in the eyes of like the people and training more coteries cuz the defense of, you know, the six duchies is the focus of everyone at this point. Right. But Verity's not even going to consider anybody from the coterie that uh, Galen trained. Yeah. Specifically, it named Serene and then yep. the rest of the coterie. I'm guessing because she was the next powerful slash not couldn't be favorite because Galen hates women. Right. But um, she was the oldest. She was like mid 20s when they That's started. That's true. So do you think. And she could have excelled or like yeah. been the favorite among the rest of the people in the yeah. coterie. But. They all kind of fall in line with Galen's way of thinking. So you would think that they would also, all the guys would also hate women and the women would hate themselves for being women. True. True. So I don't know. I feel like that's more of like acknowledging that she's definitely the most powerful in the group, but maybe not the like next line. Although she does take over, I think. Yeah, I think she, she does pretty much take over. I, I feel like with Serene, Galen, yes, hates women, but. She, Serene, like, changed herself so drastically from that first day of being reprimanded and, like, strived so hard to be someone exemplary for Galen to praise that she excelled beyond the other people. Right. Well, I don't, I don't don't doubt that she's, like, a good skill user. Yeah. I just don't think that even if she was the best out of everyone by a long shot, she would be picked as the next in line. Like, they took August. Yeah, he doesn't like women. He's not going to name Serene as his successor. I think that's more like maybe it was the group deciding, well, Serene's Mm -hmm. the most talented. Right. But I also find that odd because they all like look down so harshly on Fitz. So because he's a bastard, which none of them necessarily cared that much about before. So I don't know. Hmm. 
Um, but uh, we have a, a really interesting paragraph here talking about Fitz's loyalties. Mm-hmm. Um, says he's never found out if Shrewd had given me over to Regal. I never asked him, nor even mentioned my suspicions to Jade. I suppose I didn't want to know. I tried not to let it affect my loyalties, but in my heart, when I said my king, I meant Verity. That's really like these last couple chapters where the shift from like my king and I have to go to Shrewd first on all these decisions, like mm-hmm. he's the one I owe everything to. Yeah. It still feels that way, but just about like I owe, you know, my clothes and my food and everything mm-hmm. and this pin and everything. He he made me who I am to Shrewd, but Verity is the one I look up to. Verity is my king. Right. Because he believes Verity would never sacrifice Fitz in that way. Yeah, that's true. And I think this also kind of shows a little bit more of Shrewd's failings as a king. Yeah. Um, I think Shrewd is definitely a decent ruler in most ways. Um, maybe not near the end here. <laughs> but I think just the way he is willing to use people as pawns in most ways, like what you talked about last week is done for a good reason and makes sense. But I think sometimes he underestimates the fact that those pawns will not like the fact that they're pawns. <laughs> right. Um, and that they'll just accept that he's their King. So he gets to do whatever he wants. So I think it's just a shortcoming of his, that of course, Fitz will still be loyal to him. Right. He's yeah. still alive. <laughs> So the timbers that Rurisk promised came. They built their first warship, and it was named after Rurisk. Mm-hmm. Which Fitz says that I think you would have understood, but not quite approved of. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Which is fair. I think if it was the first merchant vessel, and it was named after Rurisk, he would be very happy about that. But. Agreed. Because he's more of a talk-things-out sort of person. Yep. Although I don't necessarily think that's the option right now right, with the red right. ships, But... Yeah, I don't think he would appreciate being a murder vessel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he's still from the Mountain Kingdom. He still appreciates the life and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it says that King Shrewd's plan had succeeded, and that's true. Um, the wedding brought new hope to the people. The wedding, you know, gave something for the folk to look to and see, mm-hmm. like, the, the countries moving forward. People loved Ketchikin coming in. She um, captured their imagination because her brother died on her wedding night and she still went through with it. Yep. And um, she, her unmistakable admiration for her new husband made Verity a romantic hero, even to his own folk. And I, I kind of like that <laughs> I, because I definitely think that this shows fits and his meddling with the circle of life again. Um, and this is helping kind of undo a lot of the rumors that Regal and his mother have spread about Verity. Right. And yeah. his lack of ability of being a people person. Because he has this beautiful young wife who loves him so much, he can't be that bad. Because <laughs> she's really cool. So. True, true. But uh, yeah, Shrewd is raising mon- uh, money and... Um, fortifications are being built and people being trained it's the winter raids are pretty much non-existent right now because of the storms and everything during the winter mm-hmm. and morale is high but Fitz is also kind of cynical and is like is that gonna last right into spring he mistrusted the mood but watched as shrewd promoted it and wondered how he would sustain it when the realities of the forgings began again that's true. Like, it's yeah. it's such a realistic look about everything. And I think Shrewd knows that in the back of his mind, I'm sure. Yeah. And he knows what's going to happen. But at the same time, he needs he needs all the support they can get now. Right. Like, It'll help for later. And maybe maybe it won't come to that. Maybe he won't have to, if they yeah. get enough support right now, it won't matter when forging start because they'll be able to stop them with warships. Right. And then... The last paragraph of this chapter, the most important one. <laughs> this one makes me cry when I read it. Of one other I must speak, 
one dragged into the conflict and intrigue only by his loyalty to me. To the end of my days I will bear the scars he gave me. His worn teeth sank deeply into my hand several times before he managed to drag me from that pool. How he did it I will never know. But his head still rested on my chest when they found us. His mortal bonds to this world had broken. Nosey was dead. I believe he gave his life freely, recalling that we had been good to one another when we were puppies. Men cannot grieve as dogs do, but we grieve for many years. The beautiful paragraph. Yeah. One that parallels the previous chapter's thoughts of nosy grieving for Rurisk. That men cannot grieve as dogs do. Mm-hmm. And also recalling the specific words, mortal bonds being broken, um, as I believe another hint of evidence towards that Nosy gave his life and his strength to Fitz when he needed it so Fitz could live and send that skill strength to Verity. Yeah. Just shows that he's a real good pup. (laughs) Say it again. Say it a million times. (laughs) Doesn't change the fact that Nosy is a great pup. <laughs> that ends our our read of Assassin's Apprentice. Next week we will do the epilogue. Mm-hmm. It's only one page. Um, but we also want to discuss the book as a whole. Right. So if you guys have any topics or questions for us, things that you think we might have missed, um, things that you want us to go deeper on or get our thoughts on, anything about you know the series in general we'll try to uh take some of the best topics and and the best questions and things like that and compile them and try to go through some of those yeah and just have a special episode (laughs) yeah yeah um we're almost to book two (laughs) yeah wow that's crazy it feels like we just started reading this book yesterday so (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us for the whole podcast so far. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Um, please reach out to us. You can you can email us directly at isfitshappy at gmail.com or DM us or message us or comment on any of our posts on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at isfitshappy. Um, rate and review us on any of your favorite podcast apps. We'd love to hear feedback from you guys how we can improve, how well we're doing, that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, reach out to us with anything that you guys want us to discuss. We'll, uh, we'll try to do our best. Yeah. <laughs>
potentially the fool could have been going to Burek for healings because yeah. um, it said that the healers at Buckkeep don't go near the fool. Right. And Burek probably would not mind helping someone in need. And we see them comfortable later mm-hmm. that happening and stuff. So, and I thought that was, um, that was incredible memory because I did not remember <laughs> those little interactions. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing that, that come into play, but that's probably 100% true. I still like the idea that he was, he originally was speaking to Beric, to Beric to, kind of influence his decisions about fits mm-hmm. and like lead fits in a in a path but yeah that's a that's an awesome memory <laughs> i guess i should remember my own thinkings from earlier in this episode that you can have more than one friend <laughs> <laughs> true so the fool isn't just stuck on only fits and then we got an email as well from uh dandelion and um, they brought up that one of their friends who is reading the series can't like chivalry as much as they want to because they're under the impression that chivalry cheated on patience to conceive fits. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't remember it that way at all. And I'm almost 100% positive that uh, chivalry married and met patience later. Maybe not met, but definitely married patience later. Right. Um, Because I think Chivalry was maybe 20, early 20s when um, he was in the Mountain Kingdom the first time. Yeah. So. Oh, it's very interesting. It's a whole interesting process, really, Chivalry's relationship with this random Mountain Kingdom woman. As we know from Burek, Chivalry isn't going to give up or be with a person if he doesn't, you know, find them mentally and physically attractive right so it's like kind of odd that he left uh fitz's mom but luke and i were talking off the pod about how it's potentially shrewd skilling him away from this mountain woman or like some sort of skill influence could potentially be at play and getting him to forget all about fitz's mom yeah interesting theory there yeah i mean no idea if that's true or not but (laughs) but that would explain why he doesn't tell patients and is so shocked when fitz arrives and why fitz's mom is so sure that he does know even Mm -hmm. though he seems surprised so he could have been skilled to forget or maybe not maybe he's just kind of a jerk (laughs) and didn't care enough because he didn't think it would be a good marriage i don't know or he didn't know that he had a child yeah who knows um but Dandelion also mentions that they don't think patients would be so willing to go to Buckkeep and meet with Fitz if uh, Fitz was also a reminder not of her, not only of her own like barrenness, mm-hmm. but also of betrayal of chivalry. Right. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's Patience herself who has the quote of something similar to, or along the lines of, you know, I'm, I'm. I apologize for, you know, disowning you right away because it was even before chivalry had met me or something mm-hmm. like that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it was yeah. before patience even came to the picture. Dandelion is, um, maybe thinking that Birk might have been, um, talking to her at that point, but we don't really know the timeline that well. Yeah. It's really hard to tell. We don't know enough about chivalry to really know everything that's going on at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and maybe, uh, maybe we're just being overly optimistic that Chivalry wouldn't do something like that from the reputation, reputation of his that we know. Uh, but obviously he is a little bit more three-dimensional than just some guy who is a great prince. (laughs) (laughs) So he could have, I mean, yeah, but it's definitely something we'll have to look out for more to see if there's any more hints to let us know for sure one way or the other and to see if patience um what that line really is that patience says about asking for forgiveness from fits right right now like i said i don't know if i exactly remember that but right. i remember something along that line right um we also got um a really interesting theory about how shrewd lost his skill abilities on 
Instagram from AshleyRee27. They wondered if Shrewd lost his ability through a combination of overuse slash old age and leeching from Will, although not, we're not really sure when that starts. Right. Um, and then also that Shrewd could have been given medication from Jade like Elf Bark, which would have dulled his ability to skill. So maybe all of these together helped in losing his abilities. Um, and I had never even thought about the fact that maybe he was drinking Elf Bark tea. I liked that as well quite yeah. a bit. But yeah, maybe old age does just dampen the ability. I don't think it does because uh, don't we hear that like the more you use it, the stronger it gets yeah, all the time. that's true. So it, it, he must have done either something drastic or just not used it. Yeah. That's true. And but elf bark I do like. Yes. Because that's I an do. outside factor that uh-huh. could that could definitely like they don't know. They just know his it. growth and everything, yeah. yeah. It's just a medicine to them. Mm-hmm. Which is also interesting because he was taught by a real skill master or mistress. So right. wouldn't he know? But then You'd think so. <laughs> maybe not, because he also doesn't know to pr- or he isn't protecting himself from Will's attacks and yeah. Verity doesn't seem to know that Elf Bark will kill the skill ability, and he was taught by the real skill well, mistress. Only for a few years, though, before she passed away. True. But also, if it was in the scrolls and Galen knew it, wouldn't he have been feeding Elf Bark to people to mm-hmm. make sure that they couldn't, he didn't have to teach them or something? True, but yeah, I don't know. You'd think he would use that, to his, that knowledge to his advantage against Fitz. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Maybe he just didn't study also, hard. Also, Elf Bark seems like a really slow poisoning of right. the skill ability. And maybe, maybe it just was never brought up in Shrewd's training. Like the skill mistress knew, yeah. but she didn't have a reason to bring it up because it wasn't used as a medicine for anything at that point. And because we know Chade likes experimenting, he's basically an apothecary person, or that's not what they're called. He Similar runs an apothecary for the royals behind yeah. the scenes. But, um, so maybe he's just experimenting with drugs that weren't around for the skill mistress to advise against. Right. We don't know. I'm wondering, like, uh, since this was during, Trude was tra- trained during King Bounty's reign, obviously, because that was his father. Um, Solicity was the skill mistress. I'm wondering, since at the end of King Bounty's reign, they kind of stopped training royal bastards. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how much of the training on the princes was actually going on. Like, were they tapering off like, oh, you only need enough knowledge to do really basic things. And that's it. Because we'll maybe have a coterie for you, but otherwise we're in peace times. It's not going to matter. Like, how, how far did that training progress? Did Shrewd ever get powerful? True. Did he ever do anything more than talk in some people's minds once in a while? Good question. I don't know. I don't know either. We need a book about the skill. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, finally, I want to end up with saying thank you to Aunt Dot Apostolakis. Lacus. I'm sorry that I butchered that. Um, for just giving us a really nice message on one of our posts. It made my day. And um, yeah, we just like hearing ni- the nice things you guys have to say about us sometimes. <laughs> it's always really nice to hear that you guys like our stuff. So thank you to everyone who has written in, whether that was a compliment or questions or just point of view from questions that we had that we didn't know the answer to. Um, It's always fun to see your guys' thought processes too. 